Superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Barons win! Barons win! Cody Jansen stopped 92 out of 95 shots, including a penalty shot in overtime. Somehow he still only wound up the third star of the game. You like that? Jansen has a heart. Y'all smoking crack! Let's get it going. Cody Jansen, World Hockey Report. We are coming to you live on the Hockey Podcast Network in 12-ounce sports on this beautiful Wednesday. It's March 16th in the great province of Alberta. What's going on? Be sure to use DraftKings promo code THPN if you're watching the show today when you sign up. And don't forget, go support Quackstats and Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. That's where we're coming from today. The Pro Rock Broadcast Studio. Big show. We'll talk college hockey to start here in a minute. And then we're going to talk Flames with Brendan Parker, the voice of Flames TV, and cap it off with Eric Krause to talk all caps, the Washington Capitals, Edmonton Oilers. Nothing short to talk about in the hockey world today. But let's kick it off. Ben Holden, play-by-play voice, you know, on the Big Ten Network. Ben, what's going on today? How are you, man? Good, man. It's good to catch up with you, brother. It's been uh, been a while. I think last time we talked, uh, I know I was living in D.C. then and, uh, you know, a little different now back in Michigan and uh, doing some BTN stuff and uh, the NCAA tournament next week. So all is well, man. Times have changed. You're back in the mitten, and it was good to hear you call college hockey again. I mean, I, I love it. You're, you're a notable voice. You're one of the play-by-play voices who, when you turn on a TV and you get to listen to them, you're like, damn, this is a treat. Because there are some where, let's be honest, there's some cringe ones out there. Adam says, hello from Arizona. What's going on, Adam? If you got a question for Ben, get it in the conversation right now. we got to talk about last weekend, though, Ben. What a weekend of college hockey for you. Let's start with Michigan. Like, are, are they the number one team in your mind going into the tournament here? Um, I would say no. They're one of the number one seeds in the NCAA tournament, but I, I really think you got to tip your hat and, and give the respect to Mike Hastings and what he's done at Minnesota State. I mean, I had them last year in the NCAAs, and, you know, what they did and with Dryden McKay and Nett, like Ben Myers, I'm sure we'll get to Ben uh, from Minnesota, a guy that's you know going to have an opportunity to pretty much pick where he wants to go and start his pro career. It all starts there, Cody, and you know he's an unbelievable goaltender. He doesn't get a lot of credit. I think a lot of people look at him and say, oh, he's not playing in that tough of a league, yada yada yada, whatever it is. It's not the NCHC. It's not the Big Ten. You know, I, I think in that regard, that team is so rock solid. Nathan Smith is a stud. Leads them up front. Livingstone's outstanding on the back end, which just named the player of the year in that conference in the CCHA. So I think right now I would I would hold firm with Minnesota State and not far behind them is Minnesota, Michigan, and Denver. I mean, those to me are the best teams in the country, and I've just seen maybe you have two in the last few minutes. It looks like Jake Sanderson's going to miss at least the first game for North Dakota in the NCHC tournament in St. Paul. You know, the kid's an absolute stud but he hasn't played much, been hurt, did all the stuff dealing with the Olympic team, and I give him a lot of credit, uh, an absolute stud for them. So that's kind of where I'm at with the top teams right now going into the weekend, Cody. So with Minnesota State, I I mean, they've got Dryden McKay in net. He is the best goaltender in college hockey right now. Like, I can say that pretty firmly. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, you can make a case for Eric Portillo at Michigan. You can make a case for... 
the young man that uh, he's not the best goalie, but certainly the best story, Justin Close of Minnesota, taking over for LaFontaine. But, yeah, I think he is the best goaltender in the country. Some at Quinnipiac would argue that. Their goals against is below one a game. But I think, you know, from top to bottom, what this young man's done in his career, they got to a frozen four last year. They're going to be a front runner to get there again this year. I think right now, I would say if the tournament was starting this week, the NCAAs, they'd be the overall number one. It just depends on what shakes out this week. And I think Minnesota can be the overall one. I think Michigan can be the overall one. I think Denver can as too. And that's a, a loaded team that David Carl's got in, in, in Denver with Bobby Brink. And, you know, they're young players up there that have really carried that team. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with that. I got to ask about Denver, but first in the conversation, join it right now, 12 Ounce Sports Hockey Podcast Network. Josh says, Janner, what's up, buddy? Soda Pod as well. What's going on? If you get a question for Ben, get it in the conversation right now. Denver, I don't know how much you've watched of them this year. I haven't seen a ton, I'll be frank, but the highlights I have watched are all around Carter Savoy. He's an Oilers prospect, and if there's one yep. thing, he can rip the pill. Is that what sets them huh. apart when it comes to some of their offense? Like he's so dominant on the power play. And I do believe I was, I, I think I saw a tweet earlier today. They've got one of the best power plays or special teams in the league. Yeah. You know what, Cody, I saw him quite a bit last year in the or 2020 when I did the pod, the bubble with it, with the NCHC when he was a freshman. And there are two kids in that league, not kids, but young men, Carter Savoy is one of them. And, and VD Mietnan from St. Cloud state. Yeah. And I saw both these kids shoot it, and they can, like you said, they can absolutely rip the pill. Uh, amazing set of mitts, but there's a kid, young man, Mazer, on that team that's really been good. And, you know, you and I have talked a couple times. Anyone that knows me knows I proudly waved the flag for the great state of Michigan. And Denver got a good one. He's from the southern part of the state, Jackson. He's only about a half hour from Michigan State, was committed there. They let him get away. He's been a huge get for them. They've got a lot of strength on the back end uh, and some really good talent, some really good drafted players. The Red Wings, I believe, have three picks on that team. And, and like you, Cody, I haven't seen them a ton. Uh, I've been more focused on the Big Ten and after all the years in that conference, but uh, a very solid top-to-bottom team, and they're dangerous. I mean, Savoy is a lethal weapon from that circle, and when I saw him shoot the first couple pucks last year, I was like, whoa. Edmonton's going to get a good one once this kid fully develops, fully gets the entire 200-foot game, as we say together. He's dangerous, and he is certainly a massive key for them. You don't want to screw around and be in the box too much against that team because they will make you pay. Adam wants to know if Josh Doan's going to move the needle for Arizona. I don't know how much you've seen of ASU this year, but obviously that's a pretty high-profile name. I think he's spent uh, his past couple of years in the USHL. Obviously, I mean, Arizona's going to get a new boost of life when they get their new barns. They don't have to play on the community rink anymore. Do you know anything on Doan? I don't know. Unfortunately, I, I wish I did. But, you know, the job they're doing out there, I think it's great for the growth of the sport. I love to see what they're doing. I love to see their new building. I think it's fantastic for what they're doing throughout the game. And I think it's only a matter of time before you see some more teams pop up out there. Easy for me to say. It's been a long discussion for years that more teams in the Pac-12 are going to go. I think some of that factors into the whole Title IX thing. Um, I'm not a lawyer. I don't claim to be. But I think that's part of what could be the issue there with them adding teams. But I'm all for it, man. I mean, I saw the other day, probably like you did, Cody, they're, they're going to start putting junior leagues out west. 
I think it's smart. You see so many kids from that part of the country. And yeah, you can point back to Austin Matthews and really being the, you know, one of the guys that's, that started that push. Obviously you go back further with the NHL teams in that area, but Austin Matthews, a big reason for that. I love to see it. I want to get, I want to go do a series at Arizona state, man. I've, oh, been, yeah. I've been pushing for, I've been pushing for that for years, man. I could use, a trip out to Tempe in like January or February, probably like you could living where you live, man. <laughs> well, I just got down to San Diego this weekend for some NLL stuff. So I, I really shouldn't be complaining. It's, you know, it's 80 degrees Fahrenheit and I'm going in, huh. you know, when it's minus 21 up here by Edmonton. So yeah, I totally feel you with a nice little winter yep. trip down South. Also, Josh yep. Stone, I was uh, right about the two years in the USHL, but he's actually already playing at ASU. So, uh, whoops on that one. He's over a point per game, 37 points in 35 games. Not bad right there for uh, Shane Doan. Good recruiting. Yeah, <laughs> not a bad recruit there. <laughs> oh, man. Think, so he- about, think about what it's like. Think about, sorry, think about what it's like for their staff to recruit as they continue to build and push. And, you know, I've been all over the country doing college games for 20 years. And, you know, there's great environments where it's cold, but I think the allure of the sun and you know, being warm year round is a, is a massive recruiting tool for their program. And it's only going to help them along with that building that you mentioned earlier. They're, they're in a really good position out there. And it's going to grow. I mean, there's, there's no way yeah. that UNLV doesn't end up with a D one team in the next five Correct. years. You know, there's schools in yep. LA, as you said, they're making a junior league out West. That's got the support of NHL teams. And so why wouldn't those NHL teams say, hey, if we're going to invest money into a junior league, well, where then they're just going to keep going east. They're going to go out and play in the Massachusetts. They're going to go play in Minnesota. Well, let's keep them close to home with college hockey. So, you know, it's a, it's a trickle-down effect, but I fully agree with you there, Ben. Hey, you did talk about Sanderson at UND, and he is going to miss uh, that first scheme at least. That's, that's a gut punch. Is there any dark horse? that you're watching coming into the college hockey March madness here that you think could really surprise some people? You know, I don't know that they're a dark horse anymore, Cody, because again, I go back to 2020 in that pot in Omaha with Western Michigan. And, you know, that team to me is they're dangerous, man. They've got every single layer you need to have. And when, when Starman and I did that first game, Brandon Bussey, it was about, 15 minutes into that game when he pretty much popped his groin and his whole inside of his leg was gone. And that turned their season kind of upside down. And, and I did, I think I did every one of their games in that pod and there was 10 of them in there. And, and I did a ton of their games for years. I know what they built. I know their personnel. They've got every element and I, but I don't know that they'd fit the dark horse. I mean, I guess more along the lines of your question, maybe a St. Cloud, even though they've, they've, they've dropped off at the end of the year. And they're similar in this sense to me, to Western, they had everybody come back. So they're a veteran team. And if you look back at the last five, six, seven years of the teams that have won in college hockey, in the NCAA tournament tournament, they've been older teams. Look at Sandalin's teams at Duluth and Sandy's had a lot of young talent, but what he's had is he's had a great mixture of young talent. And he's had a great mixture of veteran older guys like, you know, the running joke with Alaska all the years was they're basically an American League team because most of their personnel was 22, 23, 24 years old. And you and I know, and anyone that knows the game knows, when you're playing at that age and you're playing an 18, 19-year-old, one, you're physically stronger, you're physically more mature, and you're mentally more mature. So 
I, I would say of all the teams, that would be the team I'd pick would be St. Cloud because they've got the parts. They've got the pieces. They've got a Nick Perbix on the back end. They've got Pierce, the young kid. He's a young stud. They've got Brodzinski up front. They've got Hentges up front. Uh, I'm missing guys. Walker, and they've got the flying fins, as I call them. Uh, Cronel and, and Mietten and the young man I mentioned earlier. So they've got the ability to go on a run here, but they're going to have to do it in quick fashion. Obviously, they're not in the NCAC tournament anymore with Duluth whacking them in two, which surprised me a little bit, but not totally. But uh, that would be the team I'd pick right now, Cody. I'd say St. Cloud. Love it. Definitely got a soft spot for St. Cloud. Uh, Diana says, <laughs> I don't like college hockey, but go Flames. Well, we're going to talk Flames in about uh, five minutes' time with <laughs> Brennan Parker from – Hey. Johnny Hockey, man. Hobie <laughs> Baker winner, BC. You got to love him for that. Sodapod says, Minnesota, college hockey's the best. Go Gophers. Screw St. Clouds coming from go. City Life. We got the conversation going, Ben. I got a one last one for you, though. And we're going back yeah. to Michigan for this. I know that's where you are. And Kent Johnson, he's yep. one of my favorite players to watch right now. I, yeah. I, I I hate to say, you know, do the what ifs or potentials, but how many points do you think he get, could have gotten the NHL this year? Like he looks that good to me. He's mm. so poised with the puck. And then next year, I mean, is, is he a front runner for the Calder next year? Like early favorite, he's got to be up there. He's got Trevor Zegras like qualities to him. He does. And, you know, we talked to him yesterday, Fred Fletch and I, who I'll be doing the, the big 10 final with, been my partner with BTN pretty much the last two years with, with the exception of, of Cappy doing, we did a few games last year, but Freddie and I go way back. So we've seen him a ton. And, you know, one of the things that Fred has talked with him about and we've, we've enjoyed listening and getting to know him was, is his predictability. He wants to continue. And that's scary, right? I mean, he wants to, he wants to continue to not be so predictable and, and do things that, Hey, he's thinking I'm doing this. I want to go the other direction. I think, you know, the game for Michigan and, and Kent included in this last week, the big theme for Michigan was they had to be harder. They had to be, they had to be willing to go to the dirty areas more to score goals. I mean, I look back at the four games I watched last week before that game that they played Notre Dame, and I think there were maybe two goals in four games between the two teams that were scored from outside of six feet. So that was something that Michigan had to do. I don't know that Kent's going to be dependent on that much at the next level to have to do that but he's certainly going to have to be able to play in that 10 12 foot arc around the net to make plays to score goals and you know as far as the calder yeah i think he could and i think you know he's playing in the national hockey league system i think he would have been good for 35 40 points this year i do and i think the sky's the limit he's skilled he's he talked yesterday too about continuing to work on his skating those were the two areas the predictability being less predictable and being a better skater. All the other things are there, man. I mean, I remember watching him last year for the first time when I started doing games with Big Ten Network, and I was like, wow, who is this kid? Like, he was everywhere on the ice. So his game has grown. Certainly he's got to put on some weight, which they'll do, excuse me, once he gets to Columbus, whenever that is. Um, if he puts on 10 or 15 pounds, man, look out, because I think he's going to be an absolute rock star in the NHL. Man, this has been a blast. Always insightful. Hey, I love the call. Have a great weekend, man. Best of luck to you with, uh, you know, whatever the future ends up holding. But, hey, we're going to look forward to hearing you call some college hockey this weekend. Thanks, Cody. Always enjoy talking with you, man. Keep up the good work. Ben Holden right there, college hockey, play-by-play voice on the Big Ten Network. Quick break. We're coming back to talk NHL with Brendan Parker, Voice of Flames TV. 
It's Cody James and World Hockey Report. We are coming to you live from the Pro Rock Broadcast Studios today. Shout out to everyone joining the conversation right now. The Beer Sports Whatever podcast is in the chat. What's up, City Life? Go Bemidji, go. Great college hockey talk earlier with Ben Holden. But let's switch gears now to the NHL. And we did have a little bit of breaking news here, so we might as well throw it out there for uh, you know people north on the QET. The Oilers have waived Tyler Benson, so he goes on wa- waivers. Just a reminder, Oilers fans, you did take this guy over. Jordan Cairo, Alex Dabrinkit, Carter Hart. I mean, Dabrinkit probably hurts the most because he was on a line with McDavid and Erie. You know, had 51. It's not bad. Again, Tyler Benson goes on waivers. All right, let's snap it down south now to Brendan Parker, host of Flames TV. He joins the show. And, Brendan, let's kick it off talking Johnny Hockey right now. What a season he's having. And you've got to follow along every second of the way. Is this guy on a new level this year? Because he is literally carrying this team to be a legit contender right now ahead of the trade deadline. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good to join the show, and, and he's been outstanding all season long. I think that's been one of the things that stood out the most about this season. And you look right in the top five in NHL scoring, and anytime you have your name amongst some of the top in, in the NHL, these elite scorers, you know you're having a pretty good campaign, 78 points on the season, but it's been the consistency that's been the most impressive part. I mean, no matter what the opposition is, no matter what the matchups, home and away, uh, he's been able to contribute, finding ways to produce offense. That line has been as good as it gets in the National Hockey League this season in terms of you know a, a group of three that's basically been together for uh, the entire duration of this 59 games in Matthew Kachuk and Elias Lindholm up the middle there and Johnny Gaudreau on the left wing. And they've been outstanding. And, and I think Johnny's kind of reaping the benefits of, of, of a trio that's really found some un- unbelievable chemistry. And then I think it's the impact on the other side of the game too. I mean, he's forcing turnovers, the, you know, the defensive, the commitment to 200 foot hockey, which you have to have under Daryl Sutter. And if you don't, you're not going to play as much. And I think he's done that. He's, he's, it's helped them force a lot of uh, mistakes for the oppositions, which has led to a lot of offense. And I think it's kind of, it's, it's working on both ends of the ice right now. And that's what you're seeing basically throughout the entire campaign so far from Johnny. Do you think Elias Lindholm is still underrated quote unquote? You know what? I, I do think that. Yeah. And I, and I don't think it's in this market. I think here, you know, locally and, and maybe teams in the Pacific start to understand that a little bit more. And maybe Rod Brendamore does because of the fact that he coached him, had a big impact on his career early in, uh, in Carolina. But I do think nationally he is underrated. I think we're starting to finally see a little bit more attention generated nationally and, and, you know, across into the Eastern portion about what he's been doing this year. And maybe that's because he's a 30 goal scorer for the first time in his NHL career. But I think finally he's starting to kind of come onto the radar of everybody. And that's why you're starting to see a little bit of that Selkie buzz and, and deservedly. So he is one of the better 200 foot players in the league. And now that you see these, you know, gaudy offensive statistics, I mean, what, what can't you say about Elias Lindholm good in the faceoff circle plays in every single situation, number one, power play, uh, number one, PK, uh, he does it all, and, and I, I think he can get enough attention. So it's getting there, but I still think he's un, under, probably underrated nationally. Brendan Parker, my guest, your host of Flames TV. If you got a question for him right now, join the conversation on 12 Ounce Sports and the Hockey Podcast Network. Get him in. Talking Calgary Flames and Jacob Markstrom. I mean, what can you say? He's probably top three right now in Vesna voting. His shutouts this season, I mean, just his numbers have been absolutely spectacular. And going ahead, looking at the playoffs, is he considered the best goalie in the Pacific right now? 
You know what? I think he probably would have to say that he is. I mean, I know John Gibson is, you know, his resume speaks for itself and, and he's been a great goaltender for the Anaheim Ducks this season and years past. But I think if you're talking present, present day, I think Jacob Markstrom has had as good a season as anyone in the, in the NHL. And, and obviously you look at Shesterkin in there in New York, and those are some pretty impressive statistics. You're not going to be able to take much away from that save percentage and what he's been able to do for the Rangers. But, but I think Jacob Markstrom's right there. And, and I know the nine shutouts is, you know, something that jumps out at you for sure. And, and they always under underplay those and say that it's, you know, those are team, that's a team statistic and, and you got 11 as a, as a group in the Calgary Flames. But, Again, with Jacob Markstrom, you just know what you're going to get every single time he goes in the net. And his determination, his focus, like guys play so confidently in front of him because they know that if there is a mistake and they don't make too many of them, as we've seen you know, throughout the course of this year, he, he is rock solid back there. He, he makes the saves that he should make, but he also can you know provide some spectacular saves as well. And I think one of the things with with uh, this team and this group here over the years is, you know, they've had, you know, a few different goaltenders come through here and this maybe for the first time since Mika Kiprasov is giving you something that you haven't necessarily seen from a long-term goaltender. And that's, you know, Vesna quality goaltending and consistency, no matter when he goes in the lineup. And he's played a lot of games for this group. He's right near the top in terms of game starts and he'll go again tonight, I think for the, uh, flames against New Jersey, but every time he's in there, you just sort of expect to win because you know he's going to give you the goaltending you need to do so. And we will get to the New Jersey game in a bit. City Life Projects in the conversation says, wow, Brendan's a great guest. Must be a Flames fan right there. SodaPod says Giants legend <laughs> Tyler Benson. That's uh, some old school dub right there for the SodaPod. Jared Jorgensen's in the chat here and he says, where do you think Calgary's weakness is when it comes to playoff time? You know what? I don't know that it's a weakness yet um i think i think you're pretty good you're in a great spot you've added tyler to you're in a really good spot in terms of your forward your d and your blue line or and your goaltending and your crease but i think the one thing uh, is you know you can never have too much depth the injuries happen you know knock on wood this team has been fairly healthy for all you know throughout the course of this regular season but you can never have enough in terms of guys that can step in and play at the NHL level and play bigger minutes. And I think one of the things that you'd look at is maybe up the middle. That's something that Daryl Sutter talks a lot about is, you know, your strength up the middle is really the core of your hockey team. You know, they're working Adam Rizicka and he's a rookie. He's playing in and out. And then, you know, Daryl's talked about consistency. It's not quite there yet. He has all the tools. It's putting it all together. And I think you'd love to have another guy who could potentially play up and down your lineup at the center position. Because again, just like the back end, it's probably an area they're going to look at adding another guy. Michael Stone right here is the seventh defenseman right now. Played a couple of games here this past week. Another guy on the back end and then maybe some more help down the middle. And again, it's not a weakness when you're healthy because you only got four positions. But I think you can never have enough of those guys to help support the middle ice whenever it might come time. Fully agree there. Jacob says Flames first round exit. Well, right now I think they're. I think if the playoffs started today, they'd actually play Minnesota, and they've had some uh, pretty success or uh, good success against Minnesota. So we'll, we'll yeah. just throw that out there. Hey, Brendan Tyler Toffoli, he comes to Calgary, and I mean all all this guy does is he just buzzes around the ice. He's creating chances. He's making defenders stay aware of where he is. Is this enough depth up front for the team? Do you think? You know what? It it helps a lot. I think it really does change your forward lines. And the one thing about Tyler Toffoli, how early Brian Tree Living general manager added Toffoli into the lineup, helped get him integrated even before the trade deadline comes up, which is we know is on Monday. And 
you know, I don't even know that we've necessarily seen the perfect fit for him yet. I think they've had so much success with some of their forward groups before Toffoli got here that they've kind of, you know, they've moved him around into a couple different spots. And I think, you know, he really does change things for this group in terms of just some flexibility, some different options, some different looks he can give you. We've seen that on the power play already, joining the number one group. Another right shot that uh, completely changes, uh, you know, some looks they can give you on the power play. They've had some success. I, I do think they are deep enough. I think you, I mean, you can never get, you know, too deep. As we know, you, you can never have too many options. But I think a guy like that adding to their offense, Blake Coleman, um, his experience, you know, two-time Stanley Cup winner told us yesterday that you kind of feel like until somebody wins that cup away from you, it's still always yours. It's a piece of yours. So he kind of has that mindset right now. So I think this group, compared to last year, way deeper, um, way more experienced. But, you know, sure, you'd love to have, add some more pieces, some, you know, potential top six, but who knows? I mean, I think the way that this group's constructed right now throughout the course of the year, you can't say anything but, uh, you know, that they have enough options up front. Speaking of adding a top six, do you think this is the year that Tree Living kind of, I, I hate the term all in because you can't do that in a salary cap world, but do you think this is their best chance to win a cup in the next potentially three, four, five years, just due to the contract situation they currently have, or guys currently under contract at their price tag? I mean, I think, I don't think you can ever underestimate an opportunity once you get into the playoffs that you've, you've got a pretty good chance at it, a pretty good look at it. And there's no question you know, this management group has some work to do in the off season because of the types of contracts that are coming up and expiring. And, and you do have some team control, obviously Matthew Kachuk being one of them, but Johnny Gaudreau pending unrestricted free agents. You got Oliver Shillington, who's had an outstanding kind of breakout season for this group playing, you know, top four minutes alongside Chris Tanev. You know, even some guys like a, an Erica Branson, career highs and goals and points and, and shots and, and logging some huge minutes. You know, he's a guy that, unrestricted as well at the end of the year so for sure there is there's some work to do and 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 i don't know that it's that necessarily changes things for this group moving forward i just think that when you get in and you feel confident about a team the way it's constructed the way that you uh you know fit in terms of chemistry in the locker room which i know that this team does i do think it it's a great chance because once we get in once you get in that's just the way it is it, it, you got as good a chance as any and i think this group feels really good about what they have in place. And it's so hard to talk about next year. I know that's something that we like to do. We like to, you know, look at it and here's what they got to do and here's how they got to fit it in. But I think, I, I do think this is as good a shot as, as any team in the last, you know, little while has had just because of the depth, because of the feel and, and just the way they're playing. They don't give up much. Yes or no. Is, does Daryl Sutter win the Jack Adams? Yeah, I do think so. I, this was the conversation here yesterday was was hilarious. I know he doesn't want to entertain it very much, but if you look at the improvement year over year, you look at the way that the team's playing, the position they're in, it'd be hard to find another coach that's had as big of an impact on a group, you know, in a calendar year. So to me, he's the front runner. Sure, some things can happen in the final twenty twenty five games of the year, but but yes, that would be uh, he would be out in front of it for me. They're playing the Devils tonight. Obviously, it's a weird matchup. You're playing an Eastern team that you don't really see that often. What are you looking forward to watching? Is there anything you've got your eye on tonight? Well, from from a Flames perspective, Shillington's expected to come back in here tonight. 
I, I think the one thing for this Flames team is it, this this might be a bit of a challenging game because you're coming off a week where you played five and seven, which you know we've joked around this these parts you, you haven't really done since probably Bantam or Pee Wee hockey. Um, you know, playing three or four on a weekend, but um, it's been a busy stretch. You come home, you get a couple of days away from the rink or to practice day. This one to kind of crank it back up again might be, uh, you know, tough on the guys. So looking forward to seeing how they respond to that. And then we didn't have uh, a chance to see Jack Hughes in person when the Flames made their one trip into New Jersey. He was injured at the time. So an opportunity to see Hughes here in person tonight. Uh, against this Devils team who's kind of struggled in Canada, north of the border. I don't I think they've got one win in, you know, five or six t- tries north of the border. So so another opportunity here for them on this Canadian road swing. But I think, you know, this is a game that the Flames really love to bounce back after getting shut out for the first time uh, this season on the weekend against Colorado. So so to me, kind of one of those games where, again, reset, hit the uh, hit the recovery button, and then bounce back tonight. Not a bad bounce back schedule, though. You go from playing Colorado to New Jersey. I think they'll take that. Brendan, this has been a blast, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, Cody. Take care. Brendan Parker right there from Flames TV joining us on World Hockey Report. Hey, we mentioned Daryl Sutter, and I got those comments teed up where he did talk about, you know, playing uh, Colorado in the first round. It's a good one. Have a listen. Is you still have to, you still have to make the playoffs, right? You start the year, there's 164 points. Right? So then you got to work back off that, and and you still got to, you know, Edmonton and Las Vegas are still the best teams, right? On paper, you guys said it, I said it. On paper, they're the best team. So you you have to stay ahead of them teams to make the playoffs. The wild card, and I've said a hundred times, there is the wild card will not. It'll have to be team fall off the face of the earth for a wild card to come out of this division. And I and if you are a wild card team, I sure as hell don't want to play Colorado in the first round because it's going to be a waste of eight days. <laughs> so that just tells you what you have to do every day. Anybody that's comfortable or cozy, I'm saying it right now, it's, you won't last long. There you go. It's a waste of eight days if you have to play Colorado in that first round. Alrighty, we got to get to uh, Eric Kraus after the break, but hey, uh, we do have to tell you as well, uh, the commercial block not fully updated, so I apologize. That's a minus one on me right there. I'll take this one. But don't forget, DraftKings, go to the sports book, play the daily fantasy and punch in promo code THPN when you sign up. The NHL season, it's been packed with 30 dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, or province, I guess. No, mostly states. Hey, you got a shot to win and uh, light the lap. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings are giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. All you got to do, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. 
If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, New Hampshire, 888-789-TRIPLE-QUADRUPLE-7 if you're in L.A., and uh, 877-8-HOPE-NY if you're in New York or visit OP. GR.org in Oregon, call text TN Redline 1 800 889 9789 in Tennessee or 1 in Virginia. Must be 21 years or older, 18 plus in New Hampshire and Wyoming, physically present in those states only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See draftkings.com slash sportsbook for more details. Hey, Canuck Central's checking in. What's going on, buddy? Eric Krause minus one. I already said that, Eric. I took it. And we'll talk to you about that after the break. Canucks Central. So you're checking in. The Canucks are in a playoff spot right now. We kind of put Thomas Drantz on blast earlier, saying, hey, at the start of the month, he said, no chance they're going to be ahead of Vegas. They're in a playoff spot. I'm curious, Canucks Central. You think they're going to make the playoffs? Let me know. We'll talk to you after the break. It's Cody Jans and World Hockey Report Live. We're back after this. Let's go back, 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 back. Oh, I'm hot there. It's Cody James and World Hockey Report. We're coming to you live on, well, the Hockey Podcast Network and 12-Ounce Sports. Don't forget, if you miss any of the conversation with Ben Holden or Brendan Parker, you can download those on the Hockey Podcast Network after it podcasts there. And uh, as City Life says, don't forget, like, subscribe, watch alongs every day on the Hockey Podcast Network. Plus, we're live every Wednesday. Uh, yeah, also, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate that. Canucks Central was checking in. I'm curious, though, if they think the Canucks actually have a shot at the playoffs. Jacob, who loves Jack Eichel, says it's going to be Florida and the Avs in the Cup Final. Florida takes that in five games. That's a hot take. We don't have time for Cup discussions, though. But what I will get to, and it's the Brent Clark hit. Before we get to Eric Krause here, one second. I, I got to play this clip because Brent Clark ends up getting eight games for a hit that appeared to be, I mean, shoulder on chest. Maybe he catches a little bit of chin, but Buddy has his chin tucked down, his head's touching his laces. And I don't know if that's the way the game's going. Are they just trying to get rid of hitting? Well, Dom Luchishin, I think I'm saying that right. He had a thought. I want to know yours. In hockey, your head's down. It's like, keep your head up. It's like, that's such a barbaric, archaic way to go about things. Don't hit a guy with his head down because you may literally have him stretchered off the ice. And so, you know, yeah, you might have a guy stretchered off the ice if his head's down, but you also can't be telling players, in my opinion, that you should be, you know, encouraged almost to have your head down because then you can't get hit. You know, you're kind of sending mixed signals here in the case, and Brent Clark has to sit out eight games because of it. And it simply can be avoided if Buddy has his head up because then it's a direct shoulder-to-chest hit, in my opinion. Eric Krause is joining the show right now. He's uh, World Hockey Report's finest. You check him out on the social medias as well. He's at World Hockey RPT, chiming in once in a while, talking all caps. Eric, what's your thoughts on the Brent Clark hit and the Dom Luchician comments? Um, like, uh, there is another clip that was posted by uh, Generals Live. on. Uh, I think we retweeted it, but uh, it does show a principal point of contact to the head, but like you stated, um, that happens because he has his head ducked down. 
and like chin into his chest. So his chin is where his chest is supposed to be. And uh, I do think there's, it happens and I don't think it should account for suspensions, but when you get, you get a guy stretched off the ice and stuff, I think that adds to the severity of a suspension, even though it probably shouldn't. Corey kids in the chat says, hi, what's up, Corey? What's going on? What do you want to talk about hockey? Why is joining the conversation right now? And if you got a thought on the Brant Clark suspension, let us know. Is eight games too much? You know, not enough. I thought a five-minute major for that would have been fine. I think that's a harsh penalty that says, hey, maybe you take a couple of deep breaths before you lay the hit next time. But a suspension on top of that? I don't know. I got a hard time swallowing that one. Hey, Eric, we got to talk about your guys in Washington, though. Ovi, what a night for him. I, I've got one issue, and that's all the players coming off the bench. Like, I get it. He seven, scores 767. I think that puts him, what, third all-time? Is that correct? Yes. So third all time, why is the bench coming off? You didn't set a record. You're third. Save the bench coming off for when you set a record. I'll I'll stand by that one. But uh, speaking of the Caps, though, they're they're on a tear. They're looking fine, honestly. Eric, what's your uh, breakdown of them? Uh, yeah, I think they're looking fine. They're, they're struggling a bit. It comes to the Metropolitan. The Metropolitan Division is just playing out of their mind this season. The Rangers are doing better than probably people probably expect. The same with Pittsburgh. Um, the only one that's probably playing as expected is Carolina. Uh, Washington's sitting nicely, though. They're in the last wild card spot, but they're 13 points up on Columbus. I don't think there's too much of a worry there about making or not making the playoffs. Um, how deep they go in the playoffs is completely up in the air, though. I don't know if it's going to be their year. What's your thoughts on the goaltending situation right now? Is Samsonov the guy to get it done, or do you, do we not have faith in him? I don't have faith in him in the big games, and that showed last season. Um, there was quite a lot of fumbles with the puck behind the net and just miscommunication. I don't know if he has a big game problem. Um, I would have loved to see Washington get into Flurry sweepstakes, but apparently Flurry doesn't want to play there, and it, I don't really blame him <laughs> for that. Um, so it, it may nice to see if they can get a good goaltender at the deadline, but there's too many teams trying to get good goaltenders at the deadline. I think the cost is going to be too rich. Okay, hot topic, and I know it's a hot-button issue as well, but, you know, they do have a lot of Russians on the Washington Capitals. I don't really remember if we talked about this before, so, I mean, uh, excuse me if I'm wrong or if I've heard your take on this before. What was your thoughts on Ovechkin's comments and the team's statement regarding Russia and just everything regarding their relations with Putin? I think it's a very hard thing to... Uh, I don't, it's hard because I don't think hockey players should have to be put into that position. But then you have like Ovechkin has a public picture of him beside Putin on his Instagram. So um, if you don't want to be a hockey player and get political, don't have a political figure on your Instagram picture. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like he has to be held accountable a little bit. He's a proud supporter of Putin. But I like asking him to leave the NHL or to completely turn on Putin. I feel like that's just unrealistic as well. Totally fair. What Would you rather have seen them do something else, or what would you rather have seen them do? Like, I haven't heard much from Kuznetsov, Samsonov, and I get it. They've got family there. They're in an absolutely shittiest situation possible. But I'm, I'm curious. You know, I, it's an open conversation, honestly. I like to hear people's opinions. I think that's the best part of life is we're all, all allowed free speech here. Eric, would yeah. you like to have seen them do something else, though, other than just put out that statement? Would, like, Is there a message you can send? Is there a way they can show support for Ukraine and not put the Russians' you know, families in danger, essentially? Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd like the whole um, they're banning 
Like they banned the flags from that's both. A, like that's a rough they, look. They're completely trying to avoid the situation yeah. whatsoever. And I don't think you can do that. I think from uh, just a player standpoint, I'd like to see the other Russians around the Washington team, like, you know, kind of get behind their boy a bit, give him some support. Uh, I don't, they might be doing that privately, but it'd be nice to see them publicly come out and be like, Hey, like we understand Ovechkin's in the situation, but we have his back with whatever decision he wants to make. I feel like you got to do that for your captain. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I guess I would have agreed, or I do agree, I would have liked to see more of them speak up around that. Okay, moving along back uh, closer to home for us here in Edmonton. The Oilers put Tyler Benson on waivers today. I mean, are, are we surprised here? Like they, They've had issues depth-wise and realistically he's been a good American league player for him. That just hasn't panned out in the NHL. Yeah, I think, well, I, I made a comment on Twitter. Um, he used to be on the debate for exceptional status when he was 15 um, for the WHL. I think one of the main reasons he didn't get that as compared to like day and Ekblad and McDavid, McDavid day and Ekblad, they all played up. Uh, they played with 16 year olds already. Um, Benson didn't, he played against his own age group the whole time. Uh, he's clearly got like exceptional everything but skating. And I feel like that's why he's excelling in the WHL, excelled in the AHL, but just can't make it in the end. Um, you need that foot speed. If you can't keep up, then nothing else matters. Definitely an injury problems growing up too. And I, and I think that definitely slows down the development, but even now that he's healthy, he just hasn't been able to find his game at that next level where a guy like Ryan McLeod kind of adapted a little bit quicker. If we're being honest in that Oilers depth role. Hey, I don't know how much you caught of the, the wings and Oilers last night or seen about it, but it's a seven, five win. It's as ugly as it gets. Are we still convinced that they're not going to trade for a goaltender? Like, are they just going to say, like, it seems like Mike Smith, he was in the home net today, so it seems like he gets the next one. But, like, they're just going to run with these three right now. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah, and I'd like to see them run with Skinner. I don't know where the stubbornness is there or lies there. Um, You've seen Holland's come out. They won't trade the first. They won't give up their future for a run now, which... I completely disagree with, and I assume most of the fan base probably disagrees with as well. I think you have to do that now. You got um, six teams breathing down your back here in the a wild card race, like Dallas, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Anaheim. They can all make up that ground. It's only five points. Uh, you have to make a move. If other teams are going to make moves, you have to make a move. And uh, goaltending is the glaring weakness in Edmonton. Um. I heard a lot of, I guess their focus of the deadline is supposed to be from the beat reporters, a right shot defenseman. Um, obviously, those are always needed, but I think goaltending full stop is the biggest need. Like when I watch this team, I don't say, oh my goodness, their issue is the right shot defenseman or their issue is they don't have toughness right now. Their issue is they can't keep the damn puck out of their net. And how are you supposed to win with that? So that's the issue. City Life says, Coilers are trash. Running with terrible goaltending and defense. Skinner's all right, though. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty straightforward breakdown. I don't think they're absolute trash, but they certainly... I mean, they haven't been better than the LA Kings this year. I think that says enough about their season. Corey Kidd says, what's your thoughts on the Dallas Stars? Well, here's my issue with Dallas, and they are kind of in the thick of it, but I think they're also tied with Minnesota with like 67 points right now. And with Hudobin going on the IR, now you're running a tandem of Holtby and Ottinger, which isn't terrible, but... 
you're also at the point where I think you should probably move on from a lot of those pieces if possible and say, let's build around Jake Ottinger and let's try and build this team with Miro Haskin. And that's going to be unbelievable in three years. It's going to suck right now. We're going to have to lose a lot of big names. We're going to end up taking a couple off the chin. But if I'm the Dallas Stars, I think you've got a great core that you can build for in three or four years. That's my opinion. Eric, am I wrong on the Dallas Stars? No, I'd agree with that. I think they're in a unique situation where they can simply, they don't need to rebuild or anything. They can simply just do a short retool. And I think they would be, well, they were in the Stanley Cup final a couple of seasons ago. They could do a short retool and be there in five years from now again. But like you look at like Jason Robertson and all these unreal players they've got. Miro Haskinen, who I still think is better than Quinn Hughes. He doesn't get talked about enough. Shout out Corey Kidd. We're t- let's talk about Miro Haskinen a little bit. And then you've got Ottinger, who's an awesome player too. Like I don't know how much you could get right now if you thought about moving a guy like Jamie Benn. I, you know, there's interest. Like I, I think Yurianov is one of the guys who's probably, you know, underappreciated, but also he's not performing. You got Rupe Hins there. I, I don't know. There's some interesting pieces. I think Joe Pavelski's an awesome leader for the team, too. I think he brings a lot of dynamic. So uh, I, I do say the future is bright. Oh, my goodness. It's 12.53 already, Eric. Where's the time <laughs> gone? Okay, back to the Oilers, though. Uh, which one do we want to hit off first? Okay, McDavid, Dreisaitl. Uh, you know, are, are they kind of the, the one-two still in the league? Like, is McDavid your uh, Hart Trophy winner or what? Well, it depends on what side of Canada you live on right now. Um, <laughs> Austin Matthews ain't it. No, I completely agree with you. And I'd like to touch upon the whole rookie conversation later if we have time. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, it I, yeah McDavid and Drysaddle, there's still two out of three in the points. So there's still your one two punch. Um, McDavid, you, you could give either of them the heart. And the, 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 the argument to heart is <clears throat> how can they be the most valuable player if they're both like this? But you've seen in the past couple of years that doesn't matter. Either one of them wins it no matter what. So, um, as long as McDavid leads the league in points and makes his team to the playoffs and does the things that McDavid does, I don't know how you can dispute the fact. My only would be Shusterk and. No, don't even playing, start okay. with that. You can give it to a goalie. Don't start give it to a goalie. with You're that. You're a goalie yourself. Have some respect for them. Don't start <laughs> with that on World Hockey Report. The only other comparable, and I mean, stump with the Austin Matthews stuff. We don't need to hear that. It's Jonathan Huberto right now. He's one point back at Connor McDavid, mm-hmm. and he leads the league in assists by 10, Eric. 10 assists more than anyone else in the league. That's insane yeah. right there. So Jonathan Huberto, he's got to be in contention for it just because of how dominant points-wise he's had of a Completely season. Agree. All right, I'm giving you the floor for the rookie. So let's uh, tee it off and end it right here with you. Just, I just don't know how the East has like this, I say East, the Toronto sports media. Like Michael Bunting for them is hands down Calder winner. Like nobody else is even in contest. He's one point ahead of Lucas Raymond. Like you, you'd look at the way they talk about him. You think he'd be 10, 15 points ahead, but he's one point. And in my opinion, the hands down Calder winner is Moritz Sider. It's not much of a competition for me. The dude's got 42 points, 37 assists, and he's a defensive stud for Detroit right now. Um, he Moritz Sider would get my vote a hundred percent, but you have so much of the, um, awards pick, like picking media from the East, it makes me really worried when it comes. I think Bunting is going to get it. That would and be it, absolutely asinine if he gets it. The same media that was saying that, I forget who it was, there were a couple, a couple years ago, they were 24 years old. They said he was way too old to be a uh, Calder nominee, and now it's fine because Michael Bunting is 
in that conversation. Yeah, that's that's the Eastern media. Uh, Sotopod says, hands down, Caller Winders, Matt Boldy. Well, I mean, Minnesota, first you got to make the playoffs, and uh, also, I mean, you got to put up a few more points. I'll go with that, Sotopod. Eric, buddy, I appreciate you taking the time, man. All the best, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Eric Krause right there talking all caps, Oilers, and everything else we get ourselves into. Sotopod says, what's in the protein shake? Well, I'll tell you, it's three things. It's H, it's two, and it's O. So uh, not a protein shake guy, not going there. Okay, we did ask a bunch of questions, though, and uh, one of them was with the NHL trade deadline coming up. Get your thoughts in at World Hockey RPT on Twitter or in the conversation right now on THPN and 12-ounce sports. Who do you hope your team gets? Jeff Demers says, JT Miller to the Ams. Well, Colorado's busy, and I think this is a year they're going to go for it. Um Mike Down says the cup. You can't acquire the cup. Um, Luke says Chikrin or Severson. Interesting. He didn't include his team, though. Brad Lauder says, who do I hope they trade for? I think he's an Oilers guy, too. Vamelka and Kraus. Who do I think they trade for? Braun and McEwen. Well, I don't know. I mean, like McEwen. Maybe he's listening to too much Edmonton radio right now. That's uh, Sam Turpock says anyone well hey the Leafs have found themselves a goaltender I think we can uh, safely say that they got a kid coming up uh, Dr. Doolittle says a new GM unfortunately you can't trade for a new GM that just doesn't happen uh, RS9 says Miller question mark and uh, Dr. D nuts says Roman Yossi. Okay, so if you got a thought, get it in last minute right now in the conversation, the Hockey Podcast Network. Shout out to uh, Eric Collard last night. 35 save shout out for the Leafs. Again, he's got a 9.78 in his career and, you know, one and a half games. Let's not go, oh my goodness, he's the answer for Peter Morazic. But I also think you can give credit where it's due and say, hey, that's a pretty damn good start to the kid's career. First game, first shutout. I think Garrett Sparks did it too. Correct me if I'm wrong. Someone can join the conversation right now and correct me if I'm wrong there. And we'll leave it at this for the show. Peter Holland retires. It's a great thread. Go read it. We'll share it on World Hockey Report. I had it sent to me a bunch this morning. And, I mean, he played 266 NHL games, Anaheim, Toronto, Arizona, the Rangers, plus stints, minors, overseas, Sweden, but the, the thread really dives into, you know, how not everyone gets to ride off into the sunset. Talked about his favorite parts. Talked about some of the challenges. It's worth it. So shout out to Peter Holland. We're going to get him on the show here. He'll come on World Hockey Report and explain it. But it's a great thread on Twitter right now. All right. Huge thanks to everyone who made the show possible. Ben Holden coming on and talking college hockey. Brendan Parker. Get to... Ben, Brendan, they're too close. we got to change that up for our next time. Let's, let's uh, fire the producer here. Brendan Parker talking all things Flames. And uh, Eric Krause talking all things Caps and Eastern Media. Unfortunately, we had to dive into that one. Be sure if you're watching the Hockey Podcast Network, Canucks Lunch. It's the best show going right now. Love that. And on 12 Ounce Sports tonight, we talk good sports. March Madness is coming up. We hope you enjoy it. Use promo code THPN if you're hopping on DraftKings. Until next week, everyone, be kind, be better.